Well, good morning, Harvest. How are we doing this morning? And there are the lights. Awesome. It's great to be with you this morning. What a pleasure it was to worship alongside you this morning to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The only name worshiped in this place is the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Turn with me to Exodus 20. We are continuing in our series of the Ten Commandments, and we are at commandment number five. After today, we're halfway through. And I hope... uh, I hope you've been encouraged by this uh, series. I hope you've been encouraged, uh, challenged, uh, convicted maybe by this series. We're going to be in Exodus 20. And if you don't have a Bible, as I see the ushers walking down, please raise your hand. We want a Bible in your hands today. And if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you. Uh, Please keep that. Take that home. Um, Be in God's word uh, on a weekly basis. We would love that. Uh, This series has been such a good series. And I remember talking with Pastor Cal early in the summer, and and we had a different series. They had a different series planned for this fall going into our ministry kickoff, and it was about early summer. Uh, As I talked with Cal this week, he said it was about early June or so that God laid on his heart to say, I think we need to pivot. I think we need to do a series on the Ten Commandments. God uh, just made it pretty clear to him. He's like, I think we need to do the Ten Commandments. And I remember him talking about that, and in my head, I'm like, yes. Yes, that would be so helpful for our church. And I I just want you to hear this, that God's timing for this series was pretty uh, apropos, wasn't it? At the beginning of June, um, you look through the rest of the summer, some major things have changed in our culture, hasn't it? Some major things have changed in our society, hasn't it? And I think as we get back to the basics, it was almost as if God was like, hey, Get back to the basics. We need to get back to uh, the timeless truths that never go away. It's almost as if God was uh, allowing us to have this opportunity in this season, exactly at this time, to boldly and freely preach. There's a better way. There's an ordained way by God himself that isn't that complicated. And today's message, the fifth commandment, it's verse 12 in Exodus 20. It's a turn in the list of commandments that changes from the vertical commandments to the horizontal commandments, okay? So the first four commandments are how we relate to God, vertical commandments uh, that impact our relationship with the Lord. And then the next six commandments are our horizontal relationships to others. How can we honor the Lord in our horizontal relationships to others? It's almost as if the vertical relationship, the first four commandments are this foundation for the next six to work. It's like, the vertical relationship impacts and, uh, uh, and fuels the horizontal relationships. That sounds a little bit familiar to harvest terminology, doesn't it? The vertical model of ministry. Everything we do here, we want to be for the glory of the Lord, to impact your heart, to glorify the Lord, to then go out horizontally into your sphere of influence and impact people. We see that modeled in the Ten Commandments. And today, we get to the fifth commandment. It's the first of the horizontal commands, Exodus 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And if I could, I actually want to take you to Deuteronomy 5. It's a parallel account of the Ten Commandments. I have it on the screen. Don't worry about flipping through. There's going to be a lot of page turning if you try to do this, so I put them all up on the screen for you. Um, Deuteronomy 5, verse 16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. And if you're like me, when I was a kid and learning the Ten Commandments maybe in Sunday school, I always, I always wondered about the order of the Ten Commandments. 
I mean, I get the first four in the, the, the last six, so the vertical and the horizontal, but now we get to the horizontal commandments, and the first one in the horizontal commandments is honor your father and mother, and then you get to commandment number six, which is what? You shall not murder. And I'm thinking to myself as a kid growing up, and even just, you know, even as I was studying this, I'm like, wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't you want to handle the I am not killing people before I'm obeying my parents thing? If I were ordering the Ten Commandments, I feel like I would probably put some of the other ones that seem a bit more intense, a bit more serious, a bit more um, uh, um, serious, I would probably put those before honor your father and mother. And yet, what we know about Hebrew Scripture is that uh, order is very important to the Lord. What may seem like a pretty sterile command is actually massively important because it impacts the ability that one has to keep the rest of the commandments. And notice, it's the only commandment in the Ten Commandments that gives a directive, but also, what does it give? It gives a promise. That your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What God is saying, as simple as can be, he's saying, if you want your life to go well, at its most basic level, honor your father and mother. In fact, he's building the foundation for what a good life is and how it works, okay? That's our big idea for this morning. A good life starts with Honor. A good life starts with honor. There's such a large ramification to this commandment that has to be said. Understanding the necessity of honoring your father and mother gives you the basis by which we honor all authority in our lives. You know, I spent the last 15 or so years involved in youth ministries in many different capacities, and I've had the amazing blessing of seeing young people grow up and, and are on fire for the Lord, and they go on to do amazing things and uh, have amazingly accomplished lives, very blessed lives. And sadly, I've seen it the other way, too. People throwing it all away because of the selfishness and the no one can tell me what to do type of attitudes. And I've often met with those students later in life and they're, uh, they want help. They're like, my life is a mess. I don't have, it's not this, what I was expecting it to be this. And often I'll just, I'll ask a very simple question. How's your relationship with your folks? Well, why would you go there? That has nothing to do with anything. That they're contributing to the problem. They don't understand. They aren't helpful. Most recently, I asked this question of someone, and it was like, don't even get me started about my mother. The delusion is that the two things aren't related to each other. When God makes it very clear, when you dishonor your authority, starting at its most basic level, your parents, it won't go well for you. It won't go well for you. And so let's look at this. Why is honoring your father and mother massively important? Number one, it's God's design. It's God's design. God has made it very clear in Scripture how things work and also gives us many warnings of what will happen if we don't follow his design in things. And when it comes to the family unit, it's very clear that God's good design is a dad and a mom united in marriage for life that have authority over their children. God's design seen very clearly here in the fifth commandment is that the parents are over the children. It's not the other way around. And I'm telling you, the enemy has always had the family unit in his crosshairs because if he can get us to break or go against God's design here in the family unit, the ramifications of that breakdown extends into every area of our lives and it dishonors the Lord. Look at the insanity of our culture right now and what gender is. 
There's a very clear design that God has installed from the beginning of time when he said, and when he created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The enemy targets this design specifically with hopes that it would prevent biblical marriage between one man and one woman for life. And all of these things being under attack because if the enemy can attack the design of gender in marriage, it will lead to the breakdown of the biblical family unit that at its core is blessed by honor. If he can attack the design, it will prevent the honor. The honoring the Lord through training up our children in the Lord and the children honoring the authority of their parents and experiencing the promise of a blessed life because of that. When we go against God's design in anything, it doesn't work. We have to remember this. So many passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament issue these directives, but also warnings about children to their parents and parents' instruction to the children. Let me just run through a handful of these. They're up on the screen. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. It says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Proverbs 20, verse 20, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, as we get into the New Testament here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see there in Ephesians 6, there's a very clear relationship between our children honoring our authority as parents, but then the mandate as parents to train them to honor our authority by uh, honoring the Lord by honoring our authority. Colossians 3, verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You know, it doesn't please the Lord. Dishonoring, disobedience, mouthing off, talking back, cursing out, rebellion, bad attitudes. And it takes, um, God takes this very seriously. In fact, in Deuteronomy 21, I have the passage up on the screen, but I'll just kind of give you the overview of this. Deuteronomy 21 talks about if you have a child back in the Israelite camp time, you have a child that is consistently rebellious despite the discipline of the parents and consistently rebelling and rebelling and rebelling and not turning from their ways. It says, take them outside of the camp to the elders and the elders and declare to the elders that this child is stubbornly rebellious. And then what does it say? The elders are to take stones and stone the child to death. And it ends this with verse 21. It says, purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. It's saying that dishonoring your parents, dishonoring authorities is evil. And so after the service today, we're gonna have elders outside with some stones. (laughs) And (laughs) just kidding. Can you imagine this? Now, obviously, uh, the Israelite ceremonial and civil law for the camp of Israel has been settled through the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Can we all say amen? Thank you. Thank you, God, for that. Thankfully, in light of the gospel, we are not called to put our children to death when they are rebellious. However, do you see the magnitude? Do you see the severity uh, that God places on the importance of honoring your father and mother? And yet, look around us. Our world is full of kids mouthing off to their parents. We've seen it at the grocery store. We've seen it in many different places, treating them terribly, dishonoring their family name with the lives that they are living. And as a result, our society is more broken than we have ever seen. 
where the kids are controlling and dictating what the parents do, not the parents leading their kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord that they are called to do. It's actually what the Bible says in 2 Timothy, a sign of godlessness in the last days. Let's look there, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it's on the screen. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Disobedient to their parents. It made the list of godlessness. Even secular psychology is recognizing that the child-centered home model does not work. Do you understand what I mean by this? This, this idea of like, uh, who am I to tell my kid to do something that they don't want to do or be something that they don't want to be? Guess what? You're the parent, and that's called parenting. Dr. Michael F. Mascolo, that's a hard name, it's Italian, I guess. In psychology today in 2015, even secular science is starting to see that this doesn't work. He says in psychology today in 2015, child-centered parenting runs the risk of producing entitled, narcissistic children who lack the capacity to persevere and cope with difficulty. This is because there is a fine line between loving and being indulgent. Research shows that there is a rather large paradox in child-centered parenting. Parents who emphasize loving care over high expectations tend to have more conflict in their homes than not. This is because, because child-centered parenting often follows a predictable pattern. Mom will ask Nikki to clean her room, but Nikki doesn't want to. Out of love, mom lets Nikki put off cleaning until later. Then mom asks Nikki again. Nikki promises to do it later. Finally, mom gets frustrated and screams, clean your room right now, when Nikki resists, and why wouldn't she? She's learned she doesn't have to comply with mom's, mom's requests. An argument brews. See, it doesn't work. What does work is honor. Honor the Lord by honoring the authorities he's put over us, starting with our parents. We even see this example modeled by Jesus himself. We don't know a lot about Jesus' childhood, but what we do know is actually at the end of the very famous passage in Scripture, Luke 2, the Christmas story. And you see it on the screen. Basically what happens, you might remember this, Jesus gets lost, right? And does Jesus get lost or did they lose Jesus? They lost Jesus, and where did they find him? They found him in the temple, and what was he doing? He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them. So he was even modeling, submitting to spiritual authority of that time, listening to the teachers, taking it in. But then also, when his parents said, Jesus, we found you, finally, you, you need to come with us. What does it say? It says in verse 51, and he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. This not only points to Jesus understanding God's design and honoring and submitting to his father and mother, but also the blessing that it is to the parents when the child submits to their authority. She treasured up all those things in her heart. So now we need to look at what does this look like practically. What does it look like practically to honor our father and mother? Um, first thing is we need to honor them in both seasons of life. Both seasons. We need to understand that there's two different categories of children. The fifth commandment isn't just something for kids who have parents and they are living in the home. Or uh, it also applies to adults, grown people. Like even, It applies to us in perpetuity. Okay, There are two seasons by which we're called to honor our father and mother. The first is when we are dependent, and the second is when we are independent. And if you think that this has to do with age, you're wrong. <laughs> 
If you think that just because you had your 18th birthday and that you're now free from obeying your parents and what they want, you're wrong, especially if you're living at home and eating their food. The difference has less to do with age and more to do with provision. If you are currently dependent on the provision of your parents to survive, then it goes without saying that you are in this dependent camp. And the obvious transition out of this camp would be that of marriage and what Genesis 2 says in leaving your father and mother and holding fast to your wife and the two became one flesh. But I would also argue that you would be in the independent camp from your, from your parents' provision. Um, you would, if you don't have, if you're not, if you are independent from your parents' provision is what I'm trying to say, you're also in that camp. It's not only a matter of marriage, okay? But let's talk about the dependent camp. How do we honor our father and mother if we are dependent on them? It's two things, obedience and submission. It's amazing how simple this is in this category. It doesn't mean it's easy. Honoring your parents as a dependent means that you're going to listen and obey what your parents tell you, even when you don't think it's fair, even when you don't even agree with it, even if you don't understand it. Honoring your father and mother is trusting that they know more than you. And this is by sheer definition. They've lived longer than you. They do know more than you. They've been down the same roads you've traveled, and they're doing their best at parenting you through the same things that they went through years ago. Are they perfect? No. But they bear a great weight and responsibility in parenting you. Honoring your father and mother is submitting to their discipline and instruction. God allows discipline in our lives by our parents to help us grow in maturity and living a life that honors him. Ultimately, when we are disciplined by our parents, we're actually being disciplined by the Lord through our parents. Hebrews says we should not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, but it's meant for our benefit to grow in maturity. Parents, we have to train up our children to understand the fifth commandment. If your heart is that you want your kids to grow up to be successful, that they would have a good and blessed life, we need to train them in what it means to submit to your authority, which ultimately helps train them to understand that they need to submit to all authorities in their lives. The fifth commandment is much for us as parents as it is for the children. And this isn't domineering authority. Uh, This is God-given authority that is meant to help them grow into God-fearing followers of Jesus Christ. Are we gonna mess up in this? Absolutely we will. As parents, we mess up all the time, but we cannot give up. And Christ died so that we can move on in confidence and forgiveness when we fall short. Because when we allow our kids to dishonor us, think about this. When we allow and go through, uh, say we just decide to give up and they're just going to be what they are. When we allow this and we don't continue to try to train and try to discipline. And listen, I know there's nuance to this. I know there's, there are rebellious children out there. But we can't give up as parents in trying to get them on board with what God's plan is. If we allow them to disobey us, if we allow them to continue down this road of dishonor, we're allowing them to disobey and dishonor the Lord. And it won't go well for them. And it doesn't go well for us either. God is equally serious about the role he's given parents. Scripture says that it's better for a millstone to be tied around our necks and be thrown into the ocean than cause a little one to stumble into sin. And so kids in the room, if you are in this dependent camp, you need to take this seriously. And also, we need to extend grace on all sides. Give grace to your parents. Your parents have a directive from the Lord to train you up according to the way of Christ. If that means they want you to go to high school ministry or middle school ministry, then guess what? You're going. 
And don't go reluctantly or with a bad attitude. Go and trust that your parents have your best interest and they know better than you even when you don't feel like it. Early in our parenting, um, I remember we learned this from my in-laws because this was a phrase used in my wife's family all the time as she grew up and so she brought it into our home and I'm very grateful for it. It's a very, very common phrase that we use a lot with our kids. You wanna know what it is? It's, there's an easy way and a hard way to do this, but either way you're doing it. So we often give our kids like, hey, you have a choice. You have the easy way or the hard way. Which one do you wanna do? Because you're doing this, but you can do the easy way or the hard way. I have this conversation every now and again with parents of our middle school and high school students, and it always goes the same. I have this conversation often. You know, I, I really want my child to benefit from the high school ministry or the middle school ministry, and I want them to be able to have that community of, of uh, believers, their age around them, and this accountability and the small groups. I love the model that you're doing, and I want, I want my kid to be part of it. They just don't want to go, and I don't know how to get them to want to go. Do I, do I just force them to go? Yes. You drive them to high school ministry, you open the door and say, there's an easy way and a hard way to do this. Okay? Well, can you talk to them for me? No. They're your child. You are the authority that got put in their life. Why should I expect that they would listen to me as an authority if they don't listen to you as an authority? It has to start there. But if I force them to do it, then they won't be my friend. Well, guess what? They aren't your friend. They're your children. They're your first mission field. Now, don't hear me wrong. My kids are my friends. I love the friendship that I have with my kids, but there is an order to this relationship, and I very clearly communicate that to my children. They are, I am first their parent, and then I am their friend. And it has to be that way because that's the design that God has given us clearly in this. And the blessing of friendship with your kids is later in life when we strive hard for them to prioritize a relationship with the Lord so that it will go well with them in the land. And I believe it's one of the reasons why I consider my parents and my in-laws some of our best friends because both sides of my uh, parents, my in-laws and my parents, they raised us up in our formative years in an authoritative way to understand the priorities in our lives. And you may hear me say the word authoritative and translate in your head unloving, but that's the farthest thing from the truth. My parents training me to understand authority was the most loving thing they could do because it points to Christ as our ultimate authority and our honoring him through honoring the authorities that God has put over us. And as a result, our friendship, my friendship with my parents has increased, it has not decreased. Listen, there's great blessing in obedience and submission to our parents when we are dependent on them, even when you don't feel like it. And if you're in this season, you have to remember this. The way that you honor your father and mother in this phase of life is a direct reflection of how you honor the Lord. It says, honor your father and mother just as I, the Lord, have commanded you. When you do this, you honor the Lord. And if you want it to go well for you in your life, it has to start there. And if you will not humble yourself, if you will not be respectful and honorable to your parents, you are purposely, hear me, you are purposely signing up for hardship in your life. We have this phrase at Harvest, we say it all the time, choose to sin, choose to suffer. And if I could just stand here as a warning to you, if that's you and you are stubbornly just rebellious against your parents, bucking up against their authority all the time, turn around. It's not too late to start honoring your father and mother and see God's blessing in your life and in your future. Okay, That's the dependent camp, submission and uh, obedience. Let's talk about the second season of life where we're called to honor our father and mother. It's the independent season, the independent camp. Two things here, reverence and consideration. 
Proverbs 23, verses 23 and 25. It says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. A very clear difference here has more to do with honoring your parents through representation. When we move into the season of life, we need to understand that even though we are not required to submit and obey in the same way, it does mean that we need to revere our parents and consider the input of our parents. I can tell you with confidence that when I face a circumstance or situation in my life that I don't know what to do, you know who is on the top of my list that I call? It's my dad. And do you know why? Because he has a proven track record in my life of guiding me through hard situations as well as he's been down the same roads many times in his life. And I trust his source of wisdom and insight and in how to honor the Lord through those things. Honoring your parents in this season means expressing gratitude for these relationships. Expressing gratitude for the relationship that you have with your parents. Honoring your parents in this season means speaking kindly to them. It also means speaking kindly about them to others. Honoring your parents in this season means helping them travel through the time warp of the shifting sands of technology. I'm sure there's going to be days someday in, the, in my future I'm going to need help setting up my Wi-Fi router too, you know? That's a very oddly specific example, isn't it? I love my mom. And do you know what? I want to run to those opportunities to help in those things. I want to run to those opportunities to honor my parents in those ways because why? They expended themselves in raising me and training me and disciplining me and discipling me in Christ and helping me understand the actual important things in life and what honoring the Lord looks like by honoring their authority. Honoring your parents in this season might actually mean advocacy. Advocacy for living situations, advocacy for medical decisions, for estate planning, for end-of-life decisions. And at the end of the day, are we willing to honor our parents by gently holding their hands and walking alongside them for the rest of their lives, even in the difficult times as they get older? Loving them, cherishing them, expressing gratitude to them. I'm so thankful I have the relationship I do with my parents and my in-laws. It's such a blessing. And I know it's not, I know it's not forever in this life. I know it's temporary, and I want to make sure I honor them and cherish this time with them and take into great consideration how much time I have left with them and make sure my kids understand how important their grandparents are. But I know what some of you are thinking. We've got this far in the message. You're wanting to check out because you have some objections. You have some exceptions to the rule. Like, Chris, that's great that you have that with your parents and your in-laws, but I don't have a relationship with my parents, or I, uh, it's not the same for me. It's not as good and so in the exceptions, here's the second thing. We need to honor God in these exceptions. What if my parents aren't honorable? How do I honor someone who's not honorable? What if my family is broken? I didn't have a dad in the picture or my mom was out of the picture. Or Did you know the most recent statistic that I could find is about one every four children in America grew up in a broken home? That should break our hearts. And it's very important to understand that even in the, the exceptions to the rule, the commandment still stands. But this does not mean that if your parents are forcing you into sin, if your parents are dishonorable and trying to drive you into sin, that you need to comply with that. If your parents aren't honorable, you don't have to be obedient into sin. We've sadly had to navigate this with students before who were being fed pornography by their fathers. 
And with the exceptions, we can't miss the heart behind this commandment when it says to honor your father and mother as I, the Lord, have commanded you, which means that if our parents aren't the example of honor and character that we look up to, our heavenly father is that example and will always be that example. And scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us. And I also have to say this as well. The fifth commandment does not require us to overlook or do nothing about physical or sexual abuse in the home. Child abuse is a serious problem in our world today. And if that exists, authorities should be called and remediation and retribution should happen. And sometimes the authorities that God places over our society are meant to protect us even from our parents or maybe even protect one of our parents from the other parent. Honoring your parents doesn't mean that you just let sin slide. And if you are in a situation where you don't have the ideal, we need to resolve in our heart that we're still going to want to seek honoring the Lord and breaking the status quo of our family name and maybe even change the legacy with how you would conduct your life in honor, honoring and glorifying the Lord in your life. I remember my dad sitting down our whole family before, and this was in a season of life where uh, we were getting older as kids and starting to hang out with our friends on our own, driving by ourselves and going out and hang out with friends into the wee hours of the night. And he sat us down, and I remember him saying, listen, when you leave this house, never forget that you are a Christian first and you are a molar second. Please don't drag either of those names in the mud. Listen, I know there's nuance to family dynamics. I know there's hardships. I know that there are things that it's not just always going to be cookie cutter for people. And we don't have the time to dive deep into all of those nuances. But where the ideal may be lacking, we have to remember that God's grace abounds all the more. And you may have the prime opportunity to change the legacy of your family name by honoring your heavenly father, even if your parents aren't honorable. Well, what if my parents aren't here anymore? How do I honor them? I was talking with Pastor Dave about this uh, early last week, and um, he said something that I really like. He said, you know what, my dad's been gone for years, and there's often times in business or in relationships or things like that that I've had situations I didn't quite know what to do, and, and I would think in my head, I wonder what my dad would have done here. And he would remember a situation that his dad walked through that he would then give deference to how his dad handled the situation. And then he would do it in the same way because he knew that his dad's relationship with Christ was a priority. And that is a way that you honor your, your father and your mother when they're gone. Honoring your parents after they're gone is also possible by the way you live and in remembering them. Do you live a life that would honor the legacy of your family name that would make your parents proud? Last uh, spring, my son Gabe graduated kindergarten. And, uh, and at his school, they go through every single student in the class and they ask him two things. What was your favorite thing about uh, the year this year? And his was that there was baby bunnies on the playground that they got to see. And sadly, the next day they froze because of frost. So we, we didn't go that way. But uh, um, he did think that that was cool. There's baby bunnies. And then the next thing was, uh, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, a pastor. And that's the same thing that happened in the room. Like there was, the people look back at me and they're like, aw, that's so good. Like you must have, you, you told him to say that, didn't you? I'm like, I, honestly, I had no idea he was going to say that. And so even yesterday, I mean, it, I, I got through the shock of it, but I was so honored. I'm like, wow, he wants to be what I am. And so yesterday as we're getting done with soccer, um, I'm driving him back uh, home and I asked him, I say, hey, Gabe, do you remember when you said you wanted to be a pastor at your graduation? I'm like, is that still true? You, you still want to be a pastor when you grow up? And he's like, well, actually, I think I might want to be a zoologist now. And in my head, I'm like, well, actually, some days those seem like the same job to me. So, <laughs> But do you live your life 
in a way that others would think, you know what, that, parent, that, that person's parents should be proud of him. Or, or maybe this way, that guy must have some good parents. Because even if you don't have good parents, even if your parents are dishonorable, even if they are not the ideal, if you live your life in a way that someone would think that you had amazing parents, guess what? You are obeying the fifth commandment. You see what I mean? You, you still have the capacity to honor your father and mother long after they're gone, and that's God's heart for you in this commandment. But even as I say this, I want to warn you about two dangerous ditches. The first is religion, okay? Working for your parents' approval. Like, I'm just going to work really hard. I just want their approval. I just want their approval. It's not about God's glory. It's not about anything like that. I just want their approval. And I would warn you that man judges the outward appearance, but only the Lord judges the heart of man, and we may work until we are you know, our knuckles are skin to the bone for our parents' approval, and we, ne- we may never get it. And we can honor our father and mother, but if we're only working for their approval, we will still be lacking. And then the other side, if we swing the pendulum the other way, it's rebellion, it's blame shifting. Blame shifting, blaming our parents for our current or our future behavior. Well, I don't have the capacity to respect my boss because my dad growing up was overbearing and it always left a bad taste in my mouth for authority, so it's not my fault that I got fired. It's my dad's fault because he was the way that he was. Well, the reason I can't trust God or trust anyone around me because my parents uh, raised me up and never trusted me, uh, never let me do what I wanted to do, so I just can't trust other people. I could go on and on about the different things in lives that we blame our parents for, and, and it actually may be accurate. There may be some accuracy in some of those things, but is dwelling on that honoring them? Is blaming them for your current problems honoring them? Millions of dollars have been poured into therapy and trying to process how you were parented and why you are the way that you are and, and how it's your parents' fault. And I'm not saying that it's all bad. I think there's a, a very great benefit in processing through our past and our past hurt and things like that. But a lot of it is verging on dishonoring our parents and blame shifting, isn't it? The lane in between the two ditches is this concept as unto the Lord. We honor our father and mother as unto the Lord Your past may be broken, but our God is not broken. And so here's the last thing, though. What if if my parents are estranged? What if I don't have a relationship? I haven't had a relationship with them for years. And can I encourage you that it's not too late to honor your father and mother? Maybe this doesn't mean that you will engage in relationship with them, again, possibly because of a safety concern or a sin concern and how they handle their lives, and you don't want that around your children. That's valid, okay? But maybe honoring your parents looks like finally forgiving them, finally letting go of this unforgiveness that you've held on for years and entrusting their hearts and their souls to a faithful creator. Or oppositely, maybe you're the reason why you are estranged from your parents and maybe honoring them is picking up the phone today and seeking that forgiveness and asking for forgiveness and trying to open up a door of relationship with them. It's not too late to start honoring your parents. And why, why would we want to do that right now? It's because, the second reason, the result is worth it. When we honor our father and mother, when we follow God's design, the result is worth it. It says, so that your years may be long and it may go well with you in the land. We need to know this. God's heart for us is blessing. God loves to bless his children. God's heart for you is to have a good life. And I don't mean an easy life. I mean a blessed life in the Lord 
That's why he gave us this command with a promise. It's, and it's why he went through the extraordinary measure to be able to have a relationship with you. The greatest parental relationship that you will ever have is actually with your heavenly father. And he made that possible for you by sending Jesus, his son, and having him die on the cross for our sin. Our sin separates us from our heavenly father, but Jesus died for that to, uh, to be the penalty of our sin, to open up that door to have a relationship with our heavenly father. It extends to us forgiveness. It extends to us relationship, and it's all through an invitation that you would believe that he did that for you. Do you believe that Jesus did that for you? Because that gives us eternal life with him, that relationship with him for eternity. And I think it's, God could have just stopped there. God could have just said, you know what, I'm gonna save you and that's it. This life is still gonna be hard for you. But he doesn't. He goes above and beyond. He gives us his law. He gives us his word to be a guide and a life source, to be able to enjoy and have a blessed life in our Lives that Jesus said, I've come to give you life, but life abundantly. The fifth commandment is one of the most effective ways to be obedient in your relationship with Christ. A good life starts with honor, honoring your father and mother as unto the Lord so that your years may be long and it will go well with you in the land. And God knows it's hard. God knows this stretches us, but he also knows that hard work and consistency and honoring authority that he's established is the best thing for you to be able to experience a blessed life in him that is able to endure hardships. God loves to bless obedience. And I can tell you, uh, as a father, I feel this at a deeper level. This last week, we were invited over to dinner to, from, to the house of some of our dear friends. They're actually in the room today. John and Debbie Hensler, they invited us over for dinner. And if you know anything about John and Debbie Hensler, one, um, they are the epitome of the spiritual gift of hospitality. And they wanted us to come over just for the sole purpose of being able to bless us with a home-cooked meal. And I tell you what, if you know Debbie, you know we were not disappointed. But what happens in the car on the way to another person's house with you at, when you have kids in the car of a younger age? Like, don't embarrass us. These are good people. We want them to stay at our church. You're going to eat their food. You're going to enjoy the time. You're going to, you know what, you know what I mean? And of course, I do, we do that in a loving way and remind them. And I'm telling you what, it was a wonderful evening. A wonderful evening. Like the kids ate the food. They were respectful. I think they even said please and thank you, which, and first of all, I'm not telling you this to brag about my kids. Part of it is to brag about my kids because this doesn't happen all the time, does it? But it did happen in this case. And I'm telling you what, when we got back in the car, my wife and I looked at our kids and we said, kids, we are so proud of you. That blessed us so much that you would treat our friends in a loving way. That blessed us so much that you would be polite and honor them in eating their food. And listen, it was not hard to eat their food. That was amazing. But if I was that blessed by my kids and being obedient at a family dinner like that, how much more, how much more do you think God, our heavenly father, wants to bless us for the obedience to the commandments and his word that he's given us? If he's gracious enough to settle your debt through Jesus on the cross, you can rest assured that his promise to bless you through this commandment is sure as well. Let's pray together. Father, you are a good and gracious and faithful God. And God, I love that you refer to us in your word as a heavenly father because God, I know even as I preach through this message, there are some people in the room who did not have an example of a good father 
or a good mother or a good set of parents. And God, I know that there's brokenness that can uh, be opened up like a wound as we talk about honoring fathers and mothers. But God, I just pray that where that ideal is lacking, your grace would flood their lives, that your love and mercy would flood into their lives. God, that we would take this commandment seriously to understand that authority is a good thing. And God, you bless um, our submission to authority, starting with our parents. God, we just pray that in those uh, situations where the ideal may not be there or in the situations that we struggle with in this, that we would run to you as our heavenly father, gracious and pure and holy and righteous, knowing that you receive us with open arms because of the generous gift of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us to make that way possible to have a relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.